Hey, what's up? This is Phil, and on episode 118, we get to spend some time with legendary meteorologist and severe storm specialist, Dr. Greg Forbes. After we were done flying for the day, you know, things would, would get a little crazy. We also have hashtag weatherfools, Sander covers picking a target on her Titan U minute, and weather trollbots back, so hang on! Going green. Green H. Hey, welcome everybody to the most entertaining weather podcast on your listening and viewing device. This is the award-winning Stormfront Freaks podcast. It's brought to you by the Drive Weather app. Download Drive Weather now from your app store and get the hourly forecast along your winter route. Hey, thanks to our Patreon members uh, for supporting the show and joining us live as we do these recordings with our guests. Uh, we'd love for you to join us as well at patreon.com slash stormfrontfreaks. Uh, but before we get to our guests tonight, we've got a full boat of stormfreaks uh, to co-host the show tonight. We've never had everybody on the show at one time, and so they are all here. So I'm just I'm going to go down the row. It's happy hour, and especially tonight, uh, we're we're drinking, having a good time. I'm going to start with Dina. Uh, Dina, what are you drinking? I'm just drinking a glass of Chardonnay, kind of kicking back. Oh, you're kicking back. All right. Well, <laughs> yeah, I'm kicking back. <laughs> I, got, I got the disco ball going here. I'm partying. So you bring your Chardonnay. Wild, you know? <laughs> we'll, we'll rock it. Kim, how about you? What are you drinking? I am drinking. This is in honor of Dr. Forbes. It's a red blend. It's called Black Cloud. Dr. Forbes. Yeah. So it's really That's good. Impressive. It's really good. Nice. Full impressive. body. It's good. Very good. All right, Greg. What, what are you drinking up in Canada tonight? Keeping well, warm. this this actually looks like a glass of water, but it's actually seltzer. Just the uh, uh, the ice cubes have melted, and uh, this is a great way to disguise if you uh, if you want people to think you're drinking water, but you're not. Oh. So it's just seltzer, but it's, it's probably yeah, seltzer. It's a pineapple. It's a pineapple. You know, Br Brady used to do that and call it like oh, please. shot vodka. <laughs> like, oh, it's a glass of vodka. Oh, you know, I probably drink more than anyone on this show. So oh, whatever. Oh, oh, you're a lot younger yeah. than all of us on this show. Come on, yeah, be careful about that. That's not something to brag about, Brady. Be careful. All right, Jen, what are you drinking, Jen? <laughs> I am drinking coffee, guys. I have work <laughs> to do after this. I don't know if I've ever drank on this show. I do have vodka. I don't think I ever uh, remember no, you drinking on this show. No, I she was like I pregnant, do. and then she was nursing. Yeah. Come on, Jen. Then there was a blackout. I don't know do. what happened. I don't think she <laughs> drinks. I don't think she drinks. Jen, I don't believe it. I don't think you do. Oh, she did. I thought oh, you drank oh, you... when we were in Oklahoma City, didn't oh. you? you oh, I, I did. I think I had a drink. Yeah, one or two. <laughs> okay. Maybe. You know, I she didn't get it. wild in the uh, liquor store with the rest of us. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'll try it next All right. time. All right. Next week, yes. And this is what happens when you have like 10 people on at the same yeah. time is everybody's right. trying to talk at the same time. But uh, MJ, what are you drinking? Uh, I still have uh, Nordeast in my... Uh... Okay. Uh, fridge so who's your intern nice. uh, this, is, uh, this is jacob jacob oh hi jacob jacob the intern all right brady what are you drinking 
Well, I'm drinking some apple pie moonshine, so this is uh, pretty good stuff. Ooh, wow. <laughs> Dude, that's what I've got. Mm-hmm. Apple mine, uh, apple pie moonshine with uh, some apple cider. Good really? Does it mix well wow. with apple cider? Yo, It'd be under delicious. the table. <laughs> delicious. All right, yeah, g- give me a little time. I'll be there. Maz, what are you drinking? This is the tail end, the very end of uh, an Argentinian Malbec. <clears throat> Nice. from dinner so that's what's left of the bottle that you drank is that yeah. what you're saying? I'll, I'll be sleeping sleeping before Trollbot. so yeah <laughs> very good all right well i think it's about time we get to our legendary guest kim would uh would you do us the honors please oh my gosh i am honored to do this um so everybody knows him as dr greg forbes and it's really I don't know. It's we don't even have to do a real intro for Dr. Forbes, but some people may not know, you know, beyond the Weather Channel, what Dr. Forbes did before the Weather Channel. But we like to call Dr. Forbes Storm Master G. So I don't know if any of you are familiar with that, but Storm Master G received his master's and doctorate degrees at the University of Chicago, where he studied tornadoes and severe thunderstorms under Ted Fujita who was famous for his invention of the F-scale used to rate tornadoes. He joined the faculty in the Department of Meteorology at Penn State in 1978. And there were actually a lot of people that worked at the Weather Channel who had Dr. Forbes as their teacher, by the way. Um, He taught courses in weather analysis and forecasting until joining the Weather Channel in June of 1999. Dr. Forbes developed the Weather Channel TORCON forecast and retired from there in 2018. And Dr. Forbes, such an honor. We've been wanting to get you on this show for so long. And I remember meeting you in 99. And to me, you were a hero because as you know, I was so fascinated by the 74 outbreak and I knew you were instrumental in that outbreak and with, you know, developing the F scale. So it was such a huge honor for me. And you were so kind and took time to look at some of my old magazines and even um, some pictures I had. So I appreciate that. But I think a lot of us are, we never thought you'd retire. Um, We know you kept coming back to the Weather Channel and then, you know, you'd leave for a little while and come back again. But um, before we get into the really, really, you know, good questions, not that my questions can be bad, but um, you're retired. So what does a Storm Master G do when they're retired? (laughs) <laughs> well, uh, for one thing, I take a hike pretty much every day. I hike uh, the various trails of the Chattahoochee around here. It, it sort of takes me back to my boyhood days. I grew up out in the country of western Pennsylvania, and we had a wooded area, so I would be out playing in the woods all the time. So so I like uh, hiking those nature trails. Uh, I try to take the trails that have uphill parts to them, so I get some, some cardio workout in the process. So that's the main thing. Uh, up until the uh, the COVID lockdown here, or at least the the trying to be be safe, I was uh, going out and picking, uh, going out to estate sales and thrift stores and so on to pick up various miscellaneous things. You see some of them behind me, but mostly I was looking for signed signed books and sell some of those on on the web, uh, the ones that I don't want to keep. So that that was kind of my hobby. The I'm still selling some, but uh, I haven't been going out buying anymore. Watch, I watch sports uh, also. <laughs> of course. <laughs> you got to get the sports in. But do you miss it? Like, do you miss the craziness or do you like kicking back? 
Uh, I like kicking back. I haven't been watching the weather all that much. Uh, lately, uh, though, the I, I sort of always wind up going back to my damage surveying routes. The remnants of Hurricane Zeta came up here through the uh, the north suburbs, at least, of the Atlanta metro area, and were hit pretty hard. There were some, there was a home damaged in my subdivision, and there were trees down. So in my nature hikes, I've been counting how many trees that I see in each one of the various <laughs> parks that have been knocked down by the, uh, by the, by the, by the ex-hurricane winds. I'm looking to see if I could find any pattern to it. There might've been a little bit of a mezzo low that was in there. I could see a little bit of a counterclockwise swirl, but not concentrated enough that I could find any mini tornadoes or anything like that. That's so cool. I want to go hiking with you next time, Greg. I swear. Yeah, seriously. Like, that is so neat. Um, and I have to ask you this because I actually, so I was so lucky to be your weather producer on the weekend on Saturdays. It was just you and I and Kim sometimes too. That's it was right. the three of us. Oh, yeah. um, and it was, it was so much fun. But from your estate sales, like what is the biggest and most amazing prize possession you've ever gotten? Like signed book. Well, my probably my biggest prize possession. Uh, I have a book that was written by uh, uh, Secretary of State. Uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, female Secretary of State. Rice. If, Candelise Rice. Candelise no, Rice. Prior to that, it was. Oh. Uh, she was. Albright. Uh, yeah, um, Albright, Albright, Albright. Madeline Albright. Oh right. And uh, she was a. She was in the Carter administration, but then when she wrote a book, uh, there's a book that's signed uh, dear president carter with my i enjoyed being uh, in your administrations etc 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 so um, uh, that one is is certainly prized there's another uh, georgia political official that signed and endorsed a book to president carter and and one that uh, he and mrs carter signed and gave to someone else so uh, wow. so those are those are prized possessions but uh, uh, kind of a uh, quite a few amazingly at these for just pick up for a couple bucks uh, amazing yeah. number of sign autographs that I was able to come up with over the past few years. Yeah, that's amazing. That's so awesome. So, what was it like to be a student under Ted Fujita? Like, just what was it like? Well, it was really exciting uh, because you were working with somebody that was was famous. I went to the. University of Chicago specifically because I knew he was there. He was why I applied there. Uh, otherwise, I would have uh, probably gone to some other school. But uh, I was very lucky that he was able at the last minute to get some financial, get a grant to come in that I was able to then go to graduate school there. Uh, but uh, each day, each almost every morning, uh, he would come clip-clopping. You'd hear his uh, footsteps coming down the hall from the back elevator down toward his office. And uh, he would set down his his books and briefcase and so on. And before long, he'd be calling out uh, for me to come down and show. He wanted to show me or discuss with me what he had done the, the night before. He would take material home. Usually he would do a lot of those fancy drafting, those drawings that he's so famous for. He would take those home at night, draw them up, and then bring them in to... To, to show and so uh, uh, that was that was always exciting. Uh, a lot of times he and I would go out on ground damage surveys and sometimes aerial damage surveys and and those uh, together. So those were uh, interesting. Sometimes he would send me out as the advance party, and if there wasn't anything too spectacular, I would just do it. But if I found something new 
that I thought he maybe hadn't seen before, some kind of phenomena. I'd call him and he'd come out and, and look at it himself as well. That is so that's gotta, cool. That's got to yeah. be cool. It would be nice having you as a neighbor because if there's storm damage, I could just have you come over, rate it for me, and then I could call the insurance company. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. The uh, Before the remnants of Zeta came, uh, there, there's a neighborhood Facebook page, the private Facebook page that I had told people that they better have their flashlights handy before they went to bed that night. But uh, it, the damage was worse than I expected it to be. I didn't expect people to, well, we were without power for pretty close to 24 hours in the neighborhood wow. and without, uh, without cable and internet for uh, pretty much three days. So uh, it was, it was a, a real mess up in the, up in that area with, uh, you know, so many part of the, part of the main road going one way out of my subdivision was, was blocked for a couple of days also, but there were other ways to, to, to go. Now, Dr. do you have Ford, a generator? Oh, oh, sorry, go ahead, Matt. I was say, do you have a generator then when the power goes out? I do not have a generator. The, the one night what? when it was pretty obvious, uh, I, uh, I went to a hotel so I could watch a football game. <laughs> <laughs> what game? What game? Uh, I think it was, it was probably the Thursday night football game, I guess. Yeah, uh, but, yeah. Zeta hey, hey, hit Thursday morning, 4.30 Thursday morning or whatever. So I, I went to watch some Thursday night football game rather than just sit in the dark and, and do nothing. <laughs> hey, that that was Carolina because didn't we have Brad Panovich yeah. on uh, two yes, weeks ago when right, that was right. going yes, through? That's right. Right. Carolina, now that yep. you mentioned it. Isn't it crazy how we are now without power and and without power, without yeah. internet? It's like I'm going to see zombies outside, like it's The Walking Dead. <laughs> <laughs> the kids it don't is. know what to do with themselves. Yeah, I know. With that, with that television, with that being able to mess around on the computer, uh, I you know the cell phone and the iPad. I have uh, various wireless subscriptions that are not part of the cable system for those. Fortunately, so I did have some way of being connected but it was uh, there was where i live is not in a very good cell phone reception it's kind of in a low spot right down along soap creek and so i don't get very good cell phone reception so to to be able to really do much communicating i had to drive away out to some uh some place near a cell phone tower to, to get a little quicker response <laughs> so, doc oh sorry jen I, I just wanted to ask dr forbes um have you ever done any actual storm chasing? So not not the not the aftermath, but but the actual you know. I, I, there was a movie Twister, and I don't know yeah. if you've heard of it. Uh, <laughs> sure. uh, but you know, I'm just wondering, you know, how like was that part of your research? Was that part of the work that you did at the time? Uh, that was not part of uh, what I did or what Dr. Fujita did at the University of Chicago. We would be going out and looking at the damage after the fact, or what we did in real time was um, we would sometimes charter a Learjet to be flying up at uh, cloud top, going back and forth to monitor if there was up or down motion in the clouds. That was the early stages of development of geostationary satellite. And the question was, could you learn anything about collapsing or quickly rising cloud tops that related to tornado formation at the ground? And Dr. Vegeta had uh, uh, grants with Nezus, the satellite folks, to uh, to look into that. So, so I'd be flying around in Learjet instead of uh, chasing oh them God. on the ground. Best Once I went to uh, ever, that was pretty exciting. Although uh, 
it was so cold there that the windows were would fog over. So they had to blow hot air off the tubes off the manifold against the window. And if the at those altitudes, if the if the window would happen to crack, uh, we'd have been we'd have been dead in like three seconds oh. from the decompression. Yeah. So it was it was a little bit of uh, you know nervous. <laughs> and, and some of the landings behind the dry line in those real strong crosswinds, we'd come in at like crabbing, as we'd call it, like a 45 yeah, degree sure. angle in the very last second, the pilot would tip his wing down and we, you know, and we'd be pointing the plane that way and flying that <laughs> way. And uh, we'd always wish ourselves, well, it's been good knowing you just before we <laughs> make, make the so landing. Did you fly, did you fly above always, the thunderstorms or did you fly, I mean, you didn't fly through them, right? Because that. No, no, the, uh, we didn't try flying through them. The, uh, at the very end, they raised the ceiling where the uh, how high the Learjet was allowed to fly. So in the, uh, I think it was 77, we actually were able to fly over some thunderstorm tops that weren't that high. Mm -hmm. And we found a little dimple that had gone down a little trench. And that collapsed part seemed to be the one that related that we did find in those cases that there were tornadoes with those. The big overshooting tops uh, did not. Uh, Remind me, I'll come back and answer your original storm chasing question. But uh, probably the worst day of uh, studying with Dr. Fujita was back. Uh, Omaha, Nebraska got hit May 6, 1975, got hit by a tornado, went right through part of the western part of the uh, urbanized area. And we were at, uh, in a Learjet that day. I was in charge. We were looking for overshooting tops. And so we were looking around. We looked up in that area. The, the tops were just flat as pancakes and there was nothing to see going up or down. And so we uh, flew down to Oklahoma uh, where the, where we could see some of the storms going up and down. So we thought we had a pretty good mission. We landed, we're I think either refueling or going to dinner and saw on the television, it was all just covered by the Omaha had gotten hit by a tornado. And so we drew straws to see. And of course, it was always me that had to sort of be the person to sort of smooth out the, 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 the rough parts there. The, so I had to tell Dr. Fujita that we didn't weren't, weren't flying that storm. So he said, well, get out there tomorrow and do a damage survey. So, so the plan changed. I was the, in uh, Omaha. I was actually there during that tornado as a oh, wow. young, young child. Yeah, a young, yeah. A young that was guy. the storm that got me interested in becoming a meteorologist, believe it or not. But uh, yeah. listen, Dr. Forbes, did you ever accidentally miss storms and like end up in like Bermuda, Jamaica, <laughs> Bahama, in your no. Learjet? Sorry, Dr. Fujita, I don't know what happened. No, no, didn't, uh, didn't do that. The never, never did that. The, uh, but uh, we, but but sometimes the uh, sometimes the uh, the crew would after we were done flying for the day you know things would would get a little crazy the uh, uh, the one time we wound up at the big Texan steak ranch in Amarillo where the uh, where yeah some of you have been there I guess where the 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 uh, their claim to fame or whatever was at seventy two ounce. Strip steak or something like that. If you yeah. could eat it, and and all the baked potato and salad, and so on. If you could eat it, I think it was like an hour time limit or whatever. You had got it free. So we egged on the co-pilot, who was sort of a big burly guy, like a football player looking guy. We egged him on, and he did it. But he was washing down the last few bites with iced tea or whatever, just 
drinking it down uh, hole. He was wow. he was sick the next day. I'm glad we didn't need a co-pilot because he was <laughs> he was just slumped over the good thing you weren't uh, stuck in a plane with him while he was in the lavatory. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the pilot has the meat sweats. <laughs> yeah. So going back to your original question about the uh did I ever do some storm chasing? So the, yeah. the primary amount of storm chasing I did was with the uh, Weather Channel team. Mike Bettis and his uh, uh, is the storm chasing, the storm tracking team. I and also with the storm riders. I was with the storm riders that oh, were right. making specials for the Weather Channel for two summers. Mm -hmm. uh, for like and Simon, a week, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Simon and yeah. Uh, and Justin. Yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, and then uh, with with Bettis and his team, I'd go out for about five days. Uh, and uh, I think 2010, 11, 12, 13, I think, uh, with uh, with Mike and the, and the storm uh, track team at the Weather Channel. So I saw, saw some tornadoes in that, had some had some great experiences. But other than that, it was I was most of the time in places that Chicago or uh, or Pennsylvania that were, were not storm chasing territory. Right on. So, Dr. Forbes, um, in your in your career, um, what do you think was the greatest discovery um, or greatest achievement um, for forecasting tornadoes? That's a great question. That's it. That is a great question. Um, and, and I think the answer would have to be twofold. If you made it warning and forecasting i'd have separate answers for each of those for warning it's definitely doppler radar that that has taken us from uh, from just very crude ability to detect the precipitation part and some of my phd thesis was looking at the super outbreak what the radar looked like of the tornadic storms and super in the super outbreak but uh your detection rate and your false alarm rate were not very good from non-Doppler radar. It has gone up way up since Doppler and now with uh, dual pole and your ability to see the debris signatures, uh, it's it's gone up even higher. And of course, the resolution is so much better. The computerization so you can track things and see animations and and put it into computer programs that project where the communities downstream are going to be that get hit and when. All of that is, is just uh, tremendous advancements in the warning phase of things. Uh, in the prediction phase of things, it's it's certainly the, you know, the continued advancement of computers that allowed for the continued advancement of the sophistication of computer forecasts. That, man, compared to when I was a, a student to now, when I was a student, the resolution was the two, you know, grid points were 250 miles apart. You didn't even hope to wow. be able to see a thunderstorm, let alone, <laughs> let alone. And now the resolution is so much that you can actually predict and pretty realistic looking thunderstorm shapes. They track uh, updraft helicity, the ro you know the rotation, the maximum rotation that's developing in those computer predicted storms that relates pretty well to whether there's going to be supercells. Uh, and uh, so you can use the computer to predict all of these parameters that that relate directly the instability parameters the, the rotation parameters the wind shear and the vertical uh, all of those are done pretty well as well as ju just the type of precipitation patterns it's it's amazing they don't always exactly get it to the hour or to the exact to the county but 
they they get pretty close in terms of telling you that somewhere in the pretty close vicinity of a of a community these days might have a supercell go go right through in the next afternoon. So back in the day, they didn't have a class where you picked up dirt and dropped it to see where <laughs> where everything was going to go. <laughs> no, the uh, but uh, you know we had we had classes that. When I was an undergrad, um, one of I, I mentioned Dr. Vegeta had uh, a research grant from NESDIS, the satellite folks. Well, Penn State had one of those NESDIS guys. In fact, the guy that was the grant monitor for Dr. Vegeta, his name was Vince Oliver. He would come in and teach for a week or two at Penn State, and he would bring along all that fancy material that Dr. Vegeta was drawing up. And he would show us all those satellite results and all those surface analyses and and the F scale and and uh, the damage surveys and so on that Dr. Vegeta had done. So uh, we weren't dropping dust or whatever, but but I was seeing, you know, the future there of of what could be done in terms of tornadoes re research. And so that's that's how and why I wound up uh, making such a concerted effort to go to the University of Chicago and study with Fujita. So, Dr. Forbes, what's the end game then when it comes to forecasting? Like if you had a, a crystal ball to look, you know, another 50 years out from now, how good can the forecasting get? I mean, there's still all these, you know, it's weather, it's, it's, it's the atmosphere, you can't control it. But what's, like, what's the possibility and what, what would be the, the golden egg for you that's like, man, we'll be able to do this at some point? Again, I think it's it's probably kind of like two scales in terms of longer term forecasting of of sort of saying which days might have tornado outbreaks. I think we're headed toward a, a limit there of a, probably about ten days from what I from what some of the researchers indicate is the limit of predictability in terms of predicting those. Um, when I was in graduate school in the seventies, about three days I think were the limit, and in the Storm Prediction Center at least by its different name at the time, it didn't try to make any forecast more than a day in advance. But now they're making forecasts for up to, to five days or so, specific ones out to three days or so. And uh, so I, I think there, uh, ultimately, the limit is going to be there's still uh, the, the input data. There's gaps in that input data that over time, uh, those become bigger errors in the forecast that will ultimately limit our probably ability to make specific daily forecasts out to about 10 days in advance. Then you get down on the small scale and they're beginning to use over the United States, for example, where we have Doppler radars covering the whole country, put, put that data from the Doppler radars in to fill in some of those gaps uh, so that out to 24 hours for sure, maybe out to 48 hours or, or a little bit beyond, you can get these, there are these cloud resolving models that are producing a more and more accurate forecasts of the tracks of individual supercell thunderstorms that the models predict. Um, and the future is the National Weather Service is planning to transfer from warning on detection instead of issuing warnings for tornadoes based upon where they see the hook echoes or see the uh, the tornadoes on radar now and then just projecting based upon its previous movement where it will go in the next half hour to an hour they're pr planning to go to 
warning on forecast that it'll be some blend of where the storms are detected, plus where these computer models are predicting there's going to be sometimes dissipating existing storms, formation of new storms, and then timelining out ahead uh, where those threats are going wow. to be. So wow. it's wow. Uh, it's challenging, good. but exciting times ahead. That's probably not more than 10 years down the line. Wow, that's amazing. That's, amazing. that's great. Yeah, hey, I've, I've actually got a question, MJ, for you. you. You've had snow up in Minnesota already this year, right? Uh, twice. Ooh. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Greg, Greg, in, in October, uh, and then, okay, great. And then I wanted to know, Greg, if, if, up there, have you had any snow yet? Yeah. A couple feet. That's all already. Wow. So here's my point. It, it doesn't matter where you live. Odds are snow and, and ice and wintry conditions are going to get in the way of your travels unless you've got the drive weather app. So listen, driving in bad weather, it's stressful. It, it's time consuming. It can be downright dangerous. Uh, I know. I used to live in Minnesota. I traveled to Minnesota in the winter. Um, there's an app that can make your next road trip more enjoyable, faster, and best of all, safer. It's the Drive Weather app. It shows you the forecast only on your route at the time you're expected to be at each point. It's an interactive uh, app that's got a time slider at the bottom that lets you change your departure time and see how the forecast affects the weather on your route by leaving at different times. You might find out waiting a couple hours to leave, you might actually have better weather getting to where you're going and actually get you there faster. I use this all the time over the holidays. Every year I travel north uh, to see family, and I tell you what, if you download it, you'll see why. It's available on iOS, uh, iPhone, and, and Android. So visit your app store and download Drive Weather for free. But uh, hey, everybody, it's time for a break. And uh, we're, the audience applauds when we take a break. But hey, we're going to be right back with more from Dr. Forbes and his lightning round. So stay tuned. Tornado Titans is where we capture incredible skies, and we teach you to do it too. It's coming right for us. Get ready for the Titan U Minute. When discerning target areas, there are a few items you might keep in mind to decipher which of the target areas you want to go for. Hey everyone, it's Center, and today we're going to attempt to talk about those tough decisions in the field. If you ever find yourself torn between two targets, I personally try to make sense of which to target based upon a couple of criteria. First, I ask myself, what is the expected storm mode and how many storms will be in either target? This is important to discern what target makes the most sense in a day. While storms may form earlier in target A, but they will be numerous in number and will tend to line out earlier, perhaps on this day the atmosphere will not be ready for prime time until much later in the day, where a storm may or may not happen in target B. Do you roll the dice for target B? That's a good question, but it is a consideration you have to keep in mind. Another consideration is what are your goals for the day? Some people are after tornadoes only, others for photogenic structure. Perhaps the day is a day that's marginal for tornadoes either way and you just want to chase a pretty storm. Knowing your goals and oftentimes this is going to help you discern which target is best. I can remember multiple days I chose the more photogenic storm route over the higher tornado probability route, mainly because I felt that the payoff would be better on the more photogenic storm target. It's all about risk management. 
Picking a target is a difficult decision and oftentimes days give you more than one to consider. By thinking of your goals and what the storm evolution will look like, you can oftentimes decide the best option for you between two targets. Just don't hate me when there are days that are frustrating, at least no more than I hate myself on those days. Hey, we have a lot of educational materials on TornadoTitans.com. That's TornadoTitans.com. Come check out Titan U where you can learn all about storms, storm spotting, and you can also watch us chase from the comfort of your home. Visit us at TornadoTitans.com. Hey, everybody. Uh, Welcome back. So we've got Weather Channel legend Dr. Greg Forbes. And and Dr. Forbes, so my, my question is this. So... Quick question here. I know you were highly involved in helping out with the EF rating. Were you also involved with helping him with the F rating? No, he had. I started uh, fall of 1972, and he had developed the Fujita scale in 1971. So I didn't help him develop it, but I helped him with a lot of the, uh, you know, acquiring data to sure. to, to fill in the gaps uh, of the, you know, how you applied the Fujita scale. Got it. So here's here's my question because um, when he developed the Fujita scale, the Safford Simpson scale had just for hurricanes had just been developed and adopted, roughly not too long before then. Yeah. But but obviously the Safford Simpson scale is a little bit different. Still measures wind velocity, but you you can measure that and give a rating to a storm that's currently happening, right? And obviously, with with the F scale and the EF scale for tornadoes, uh, it's a post rating, right? You're, you're determining wind speeds based on damage surveys and everything else. And so, my, my question is this: is is being involved in that with Dr. Fujita? I guess what was the thought process to go? This is a needed item, right? Like we need to have this Fujita scale. Like we need to have this post-event scale why was that needed and i guess why was his ended up being the one that really was widely adopted the yeah and i'll tell you the the rest of the story of that one according to what i was told uh by mm-hmm. dr fujita was about how did this come to be was that as you say the safra simpson scale for rating hurricanes had just come out and dr fujita said that his wife susie ask him, uh, why don't you have a uh, scale for tornadoes? And so he said, oh, that's a good idea. Let's make one. And so uh, uh, he did. He uh, made a theoretical mathematical scale for it and uh, that bridged the gap between the top end of the Beaufort scale that the Mariners had used and the bottom end of Mach 1 that was uh, the speed of sound uh, for for, uh, supersonic aircraft and made a wind scale that went between those. It went uh, from from F0 to F12, I think it was. And then he went through and said, well, there'll be tornadoes that could be up to F5 in these wind speed ranges and sort of made descriptions of the damage that would be with each. There wasn't very much evidence in terms of uh, engineering evidence of uh, what it actually took in winds and pressures to cause those various kinds of damage. So it was hypothetical. Uh, at that point, that's why uh, uh, in uh, the early 2000s, the EF scale uh, project began, the Enhanced Fujita scale began to try to get better uh, wind speed estimations. Um, 
and the the why after the fact well the in the hurricane they're big enough that you can actually measure the the winds of the of the hurricane with uh, at least above ground either with radar or aircraft with tornado up until the time now that we have these mobile Doppler radars that can get real close, we still aren't able to measure accurately enough. The, the radar beam usually is too wide, so it doesn't get the full speed of the tornado. So we don't know, uh, as they're in progress, how intense the tornado is. Except some of these mobile Doppler radars, they get within a mile of it, and they have such high resolution that they can sometimes see a little above the ground. There has been some radar detected uh, 300 plus, uh, 301 mile per hour, I believe, is the is the highest that's been measured. So if we had a whole armada of these mobile Doppler radars, we perhaps could have a, a real-time uh, assessment of what the, the, the tornado intensity is. But of course, that's, that's beyond uh, possibility. So if an F5 is the finger of God, what's an F12? Oh, <laughs> exactly. That, that yeah. is... Uh, I'd need some kind of military expression for that one. That's, uh, uh, you know, that because that's the speed of one of these uh, supersonic aircraft. So you pick pick your favorite uh, from the the golf. It's called oh. Shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say snafu, but okay. <laughs> Well, Dr. Forbes, a, you, you used the example of uh, the um, theor theoretically the. Uh, winds can be measured with the Doppler radars, the mobile Doppler radars getting close. In 2013, the El Reno tornado, if I remember correctly, uh, there was close range Doppler radar. They did measure wind speeds in excess of 300 kilometers or 300 miles an hour. But in the uh, survey of the damage, there was nothing that indicated that EF5 uh, uh, damage or wind speed. So that would be a classic example where the Fujita scale, uh, you know, really was the more important of the two. Yeah. And there's, uh, th and that was a big controversy at the time uh, because the National Weather Service office had, you know, been involved with the, the mobile Doppler. It was, was right there in Oklahoma city. It was a big tornado research area. That's where some of those mobile Doppler teams were out of. And so they initially called it an EF5 because of those wind speed ratings. But uh, they were told then by National Weather Service headquarters that they had to go back and be consistent with all the other tornado ratings that were based upon damage. And a good portion of that El Reno area that was hit by the tornado was uh, kind of rural. So there weren't a whole lot, there weren't uniform structures all over the place. So the, the strongest uh, structure-based damage that they found was EF3. And what do you think? What's your opinion? <laughs> well, uh, my opinion at the time was that we should not ignore evidence uh, just to be consistent, that if we knew it was EF5, then that would be based upon the best, you know, all the available evidence, we should use that. The problem with that is that those mobile Doppler, even as close as they get, they're still measuring a little bit higher than what the standardized, basically the roof, the roof of a first story, a one story or the first floor of a home. It's one of the winds at that, that level. And the Doppler are measuring a, a little higher than that. So that's sort of the... Uh, 
that's sort of the how you can live with it type of justification that it's not exactly apples to oranges when you make those uh, comparisons. So I've got a quick question, um, Dr. Forbes or Greg. Um, so thinking back to April 27, 2011. So first of all, I could, I think everybody could watch you analyze storms on radar live, like all the time. It's just so fascinating. You're so incredible at it. And that day, I mean, literally every storm that developed, you know, started rotating almost instantaneously. And it was crazy because I was working in Tupelo, Mississippi at the time. We had an EF3 tornado occur overnight in the early morning hours, killing like three people. We had a mid-morning um, severe weather round. And then we they fired up right along the Mississippi River, shifting east, and it was so crazy. I would love for you to just kind of break down like some of the biggest moments of that day and touch on generational tornado outbreaks. Because when I then started working in Huntsville, um, Alabama, they talked about uh, an outbreak in 1932 and how typically, you know, things tend to come together, together every 35, 40 years where all severe weather parameters are maxed out and you just get. I mean, instant massive storms that start rotating. Yeah, that, uh, as you say, was a generational type of, of storm event. Uh, and it's why we have two tornado outbreaks in U.S. history that we'll call super outbreaks. The one in 1974 that had 148 known tornadoes in, in a 24-hour period. And then April 27th, 2011, we call that super outbreak 2011. Um, there, uh, in a 24-hour period, I believe the number is 200. And then it extended, as you say, beyond and uh, and uh, prior to to that 24-hour period. So I forget the exact total, but it was around 300 total tornadoes. Uh, uh, some things definitely stand out. It was one of those synoptically evident upcoming outbreaks, as as you would call it. We were talking about the likelihood of a dangerous tornado outbreak several days in advance. Uh, I believe prior to that, the Torcon was had been developed in 2009, and so I think prior to that, we were giving Torcon eights or nines for uh, some of the Gulf Coast state areas. And then, when I came in around lunchtime to get ready for the afternoon evening shift, and looked at the maps, I saw there had been a boundary, a a, a, a temperature and wind shift line across northern Alabama that had been left by the overnight storms, very unstable. It, the conditions of instability, the conditions of wind shear conditions, they were all as high as they ever get in that area, plus the boundary. So that was sort of strike three for that northern Alabama area. So I raised the Turcon to 10 at that point as in a forecast and within a couple of hours that the afternoon stage of the outbreak began. Uh, and uh, that was the first to 10 that we had issued. I think there's been one more in up in the uh, Ohio River Valley that that I forecasted after that. But then, as you say, uh, it was just it was crazy. The afternoon, the, the the number of simultaneous rotating thunderstorms that had the tornado signatures on them. It was a matter of you on the Weather Channel with trying to cover many states. It was not possible to cover every warning uh, and, and do it justice. So we were trying to get a few and then come back and, and get another few. And uh, just trying to, I was trying to pick out the ones that either looked the most dangerous on radar 
and or were coming toward the highest populated areas, you know, trying to save as many lives as possible. Um, and so it was it was back to a situation kind of like Super Outbreak 74. The, the Weather Service then were saying that, you know, the, the too many tornadoes. Then they were limited that the teletype machines, the little t electric typewriters could only type 80 characters mm -hmm. per minute. Uh, a minute yeah something like that i forget but uh it was so much at the they were a big backlog of of warnings stacking up uh and in the 2011 you know the warnings had come out immediately but there was just so many storms that you you couldn't deal with them i remember that day does does the weather channel um I'm just curious, does the Weather Channel give you any residuals uh, no. for the Torcon? <laughs> I still remember the day that you did the first Torcon at 10. We were walking down the hall between like shows and you were standing up at like in the center of the studio. I think you were with Carl Parker, maybe. And we're like, oh, sh Dr. Forbes <laughs> just put a Torcon at 10. Yeah. And there was just tornadoes everywhere. It, and, it, and one of the most gratifying aspects of my career uh, the next, I think it was the next spring or maybe in the fall, they had a community meeting in the, the Birmingham Huntsville area that was so badly hit. And they, they brought some of the community in to, to sort of, you know, from a social standpoint, sort of see what could be done better in terms of the warning and uh, pro process. And, and one lady, one lady stood up and with her Southern accent said, uh, well, when I, when Dr. Forbes said it was a Torcon to 10, I headed to the basement. So, the, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so that, that made me feel pretty good that somebody was, uh, of course, you know, maybe had, uh, was saved by, by the, the, the forecasting mm. and warning I had done, because that's why I got into uh, severe weather was to try to save lives. So mm. was Did that you your greatest contribution, Dr. Forbes, do you think, in your career? I, I think probably that's the case. Yeah, the the going back to the question about the Fujita scale, we needed the Fujita scale that Dr. Fujita invented because prior to that, the every tornado in the statistics in the historical archives just was the same, whether it knocked down a, a tree or whether it leveled a whole community, it was just a tornado. So the Fujita scale gave you some way to sort of quantify the risk of what really how common are these stronger tornadoes and the same thing uh, i thought was what we were trying to do with having the torcon that instead of the you know predicting that there could be a tornado the next day uh which happens a lot of days in some places uh you could say tomorrow is going to be you know a little bit out of the ordinary the these could be some of these days where you long track violent tornadoes and a really high number of them. And so I think the Torcon, that was the idea of the Torcon to make it such that this is not one of your ordinary danger days that you better pay real attention tomorrow mm. or this afternoon or, or whatever. Yeah. Mm. So, so Dr. Forbes, I think I got, we got one more question here. Uh, question I have for you over, over the career you've had, uh, which has just been an amazing, amazing career. What do you think the, your most memorable or favorite moment uh, if you had to pick one, I know there's probably a lot, but if you had to pick one, what do you think the, your most favorite or most memorable moment would be? Uh, it's hard to pick just one. I, being involved with uh, the damage surveying to, to document the super outbreak in 1974 
and then uh, to uh, document the, uh, well, to make the forecast on air to try to save some lives in the super outbreak 2011, certainly are big events. But I, I was on air when the reports of the levees breaking in New Orleans from Katrina started to come in. And so uh, that was, that's certainly mm -hmm. another memorable moment. And, and I was uh, on air talking to Mike Bettis, who was out in the field in, in the El Reno tornado in 2013 when uh, uh, they got hit by the tornado. And that was some really scary times there in terms of uh, because the, the van got their van got tossed. Uh, and uh, so those along with uh, with so many, I always liked when we would get like helicopter video in of tornadoes in progress. That, that was just so much fun, especially if it was out in a rural area. You could just follow the tornado along and describe it and and just tell every little detail about the, the funnel and the debris and things. Uh, so uh, and going back to Penn State, the. the I guess I had about 500 meteorology major students over that 20-year period, including uh, some that were on the Weather Channel. Mike, I mean, Mike Seidel was a graduate student of mine, that, and uh, and Jen Carfagno was a undergraduate honors student of mine. So Adam Berg. Adam Berg was a student. Yeah, yeah. Jeff, Jeff Morrow was a student uh -huh. of mine. The, it's now like, you're just so dropping many, names. I, I'm just <laughs> it's pretty cool. <laughs> Hey, well, that's the sound, everybody. Uh, it is time for our lightning round. So this is our game show of flashy and brilliant questions. We always uh, play with our guests. Uh, we invite everybody to play along with us, especially our Patreon members in the live chat. Um, tonight, Dr. Forbes, you're, we're, we're going back a little bit. You're going to love. We're going to play a little weather term match game. Yeah, good old match Whoa. game. So, so... If you know how match game works, uh, I'm going to give you a little uh, phrase. And there's always going to be a blank. There's a word missing. And Dr. Forbes, you, you need to come up with a word to fill in the blank. And you need to come up with one that you think will match most of our, our freaks, oh, okay. our co-hosts. So that, that's kind of the goal is to try and match, right? So I've, I've got two questions, and, and they're kind of based on uh, – they're definitely based on weather, weather terms. Right? So you ready for this? All right, so yep. freaks, get ready. So freaks, you got to write down your answer. Dr. Forbes, you just need to think of one, and then, and then I'm going to ask you about it here in a second. All right, so the first one. Uh, a viewer sent in a, a weather photo to the TV station, and I was explaining on air that the fuzzy rods coming down from the clouds were called Virga. You wouldn't believe the emails we got in after that. People complaining that we were talking about blank on the air. <laughs> so I'll say that one more time. So a viewer sent in a weather photo to our TV station. And I was explaining on air that these fuzzy rods coming down from the clouds were called Virga. You wouldn't believe the emails we got in after that because people were complaining we were talking about blank on the air. <laughs> Fuzzy rods. Okay, so, all right, so co-hosts, uh, write down what you think would be the best uh, best fill in the blank there on on what people were complaining was being discussed on air. And uh, Dr. Forbes, I'm going to go to you. Uh, you wouldn't believe the emails we got in after that. People complaining we were talking about what on the air. 
Well, the word sounds a little bit like virgins, so maybe uh, maybe that. <laughs> virgins, okay. Uh, virgins. Yeah. So, really all right, so let's let, let's see let's see how we match here. I'm going to start with Greg. I just said, I just, oh, Greg, oh. no, 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 wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Oh, I'm going oh, to go down the row. So I'm starting with like Greg. Rolls. Greg, what did you say? Oh, Vagina. <laughs> Not quite. We weren't talking about uh, vagina. Brady, Brady, what'd you have? Virgins. Virgins? Yeah. With the frowny face. Very good. All right, we got a match. Maz, what'd you have? You got it. Yeah. Virgins. But I'm there, I can't tell. Very good. All right, we got two for you, uh, Dr. Forbes. That's awesome. This is great. Uh, Jen, what do you got? I thought I, I don't understand this game. I just said funnel clouds. <laughs> okay. Hopefully hopefully you'll get it for the second question. But all right, Kim, what did you have? What, what do you think? Yes. What do you think, huh? There Virgin. you go. Okay. On the same wavelength. MJ. <laughs> Not quite. We're close. Uh Dina, what did you get? Can't see it. There you go. Good. Wow. wow. Got, I'm got, really uh, impressed. Match four on that one. That's pretty go. good. All right. So uh, good job, Doctor Forbes. Here we go. Here's the here's the second and last one. Uh, my buddies and I. Last. What's that? Did you say second and last? And last? Yes. <laughs> my uh, yeah. my buddies and I. We were hanging around in the garage, uh, drinking beer, and watching football. After a storm passed through, I told them that the, the musty, earthy smell after storms is called petrichor. One of my friends laughed and said, no, you smell blank. Is this supposed to be dirty? I, I don't know. <laughs> so my, my buddies and I were hanging around in my garage drinking beer and watching football. And after the storm passed through, I told them that the musty, earthy smell after storms, it's called petrichor. And one of my friends laughed at me and said, no, you smell blank. All right, so freaks, write down, uh, write down your response. Oh, no. You, no, you smell blank. Harder. All right, so I'm going to go to Dr. Forbes. Uh, buddies hanging out, drinking beer and watching football. A storm passed through. And, and the smart meteorologist said, no, that musty, earthy smell after storms, it's called petrichor. But one of my friends laughed and said, no, you smell what? Well, I guess I'll go out to Tornado Alley area where there's a lot of cattle, and I'll say manure. Manure. Oh. Manure. <laughs> All right. You smell manure. So we're, we're going to go backwards. Dean, I'm going to start with you this time. What did All you right, come I up with? Get, I didn't get it. Warm beer. Warm beer. <laughs> nope. Nope. Not quite. MJ, what uh, what do you got? Uh, my socks. <laughs> it's probably true, but no, that's not correct. Kim? My burps. Oh, yeah. Uh good, but no, that that okay. uh, it's probably what, what he might have been smelling. Uh Jen? Well, so I don't know how my answers are. I said <laughs> That, that works. You gotta give it. That, works. Works. Say, that works the same. Yeah. You've redeemed Very. yourself. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> See, it only took two questions for you to figure out how this game works. That's pretty good. All right, Maz, what'd you come up with? I came up with uh, Petra burritos. <laughs> good. That was a good. Good answer, but not. It's not a match. All right, Brady. 
My B.O. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> and he's got the picture. Not, not, uh, it spells not boo, quite. doesn't it? Mm. Not quite. <laughs> All right, Greg, what'd you come up with? Yeah, I was on along the same lines as Maz. I, uh, I said nacho farts. <laughs> not a match, but, uh, but you did, you, you did get one match on that one and, and, a ton, and a ton on the first one. So, Dr. Forbes, great job. Definitely well done on that. So uh, do do me a favor, Doctor Forbes. How can how can people follow you on social media? I mean, what now you're in retirement, but I, I'd imagine people can still follow you. What's going on, right? Where where are you on social media? Uh, I'm pretty pretty inactive, but I do have a Facebook <laughs> page. If you uh, look for, look for Greg Forbes on Facebook, there's there's a bunch of us by the same name, but you probably will see my picture there, so you can. You can uh, probably follow it. But the only thing I'm posting there is pictures from my daily hikes. So you'll see uh, pictures of spiders and, and trees and rocks and uh, and stuff like that. Occasionally something that's weather related. It's like my first apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, hey, I'll tell you what. It's time to start putting together your holiday wish list together with all your favorite weather geek faves at helicity.co. They have a huge selection of weather-themed merchandise, including Stormfront Freaks shirts and mugs and face masks and stickers. Uh, just go to helicity.co and click on the Brands tab to find all your favorite Stormfront Freaks favorites. So, hey, it's time for our final break. Uh, we've got Weather Fools, and we've also got a visit from uh, Weather Trollbot 5000 coming up, so stay tuned. Uh -oh. all coming uh -oh. up next, everybody. Uh -oh. Run, Dr. Forbes, run. Hey, I'm Tom Nizzle, winter weather expert at the Weather Channel, and you're listening to Stormfront Freaks Podcast. Take a drive under the moon. Let's take a drive under the somber sky. Let's take a drive under the moon. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, it's time for everyone's favorite part of the show. That's right. Uh, the music is playing. The Who is on, and it's time for Weather Fools. Now, for those of you that it's your first time or you may forget, uh, Weather Fools is us as the freaks. We're going on the internet. We're going on TikTok. We're going on Reddit. We're going on Facebook. Any Anywhere where we can find a video, a picture, a story of someone doing something not so smart, and it relates to the weather. Phil, I understand you may have one to four Weather fools this week. Uh, I've got four, and this is gonna... stupid people out there right now. <laughs> this uh, this is this is the speed round. So I've got four of them. Uh, one of them is from AccuWeather. Uh, Brady, you might you might remember them. I think you uh, maybe interned with them a little I did, bit. I did. Uh, but this is uh, this is a video of this was actually in Ireland, and this was during Hurricane Epsilon, and this was a surfer. This dude. Woo! Was wow. uh, surfing like waves that you can't even see the surfer. Oh He's so God. small. Oh my God! Compared no, to these you. waves, how do they survive this? What? That's what I'm wondering. That's now, if you know. notice, there's a bunch of people break. on jet skis ready to save his ass. <laughs> yes, they are. 
That's the recovery oh, team. Oh, he's still up. Oh, oh my this God. This is crazy. The size of these waves. This guy is my surfing. God. And I'll tell everybody, you know, weather fool, it, 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 it's on a line. It's on a very thin line, right, between you're a total moron and <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fucking cool. Yeah. yeah. Right? <laughs> wow. And, and this probably falls a little bit on the other, the, the cool side of things. But uh, amazing. Amazing what this was doing. All right. Next one. Uh, this was in Nicaragua, Hurricane Etta. Oh, no. And this guy was trying to uh, basically save the his the his roof of roof? his house from coming oh, off. Oh, no. And so while, <laughs> while the hurricane's coming through, he's trying to keep his body on his roof so that his roof doesn't come oh, off his God. house. Oh, my God. Oh, no. You can already oh, tell branches and massive oh, trees Oh, my God. Huge falling. trees down. Yeah. yeah. Also, oh. is this the strongest man on earth? What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. But I, I wouldn't recommend that's, that's a definitely don't, don't do this at home. All right, ABC foolish. News. Foolish. This is a lightning strike at a soccer field in Spain. Oh, oh my. Oh, no. And if you, if you oh. notice oh. this, the lightning strike happens like right on the field but the problem is there's a bunch of people still hanging around yes like oh they were God. hiding under a tree or something stupid like that and there's even a guy running oh, from yeah, the yeah. goal because you said there's I mean, one that just ran off he was right. seconds Lord, away God. from getting his ass hit by a lightning yeah. strike like at what point yeah. did they finally decide yeah it's close we better yeah we better not be out there we better evacuate <laughs> All right, and then the yeah, last bro. one is this is uh, downtown Miami. Bad flooding. Her, uh, tropical storm Eta came through. And, of course, it's the good old, yeah, you know, turn around, right don't drown. <laughs> Cars that just Hot. thought, yeah, you know, it's it's up to my headlights. I, I should be able to make hey, it. Hey, that one guy was using a blinker, it. though, so good on you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he was stalled. Like, come on. Proper, proper etiquette. Oh. Yeah. All right. So the, those are my four... It. Four weather fools. You hate to see it. That's Phil. pretty those good, Phil. Yeah, good those, those are pretty good. Those are pretty good. You did pretty well on time, although I, I doubt you'll be the, the quickest here. Dina, who is your weather fool this week? All right, this one's great. Okay, so I'm proud of this because I found this um, before, and I got the Weather Channel to clear it, and we put it on our app. And this is a Lamborghini oh, no. uh, that takes oh, on no. Ada's flood water in Florida. Now, I I'm assuming. No. Lamborghinis are kind of low to the ground. Yeah. He's coming through flood water. No, it's a this submarine. Guy, <laughs> it's like in he's going hell. in a submarine. You know when you look at a submarine video and they go underwater and the water comes up over? Look at that. He's why you would do that with a car like that? No kidding. I don't know. That yeah. thing is so expensive. Well, let alone actually driving through the water. What the hell are you doing driving that car in that weather period? Stole it. You never know. But the way that it goes under the water reminds me of like when you're watching something on Noah and the um the submarine goes underwater. Like, oh my god. Yeah. They were like, they were like following him. They're like, oh, this How Lamborghini's got it. it. I got it. I don't know. That's, wow. that's pretty right. insane. That I'm surprised. Terrible. I'm surprised he didn't stall out. Just, just. I am down. too. But... I want. I want to know if like there's a lot of water inside the car. 
<laughs> yeah, Maz, you said the the sunroof looked like it was open. I know. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. then it was probably stolen. Yeah. Potentially, <laughs> potentially. Oh, All right, right, Dina, that was that was pretty great. Let's uh, get to Jen. I understand you have a weather fool this week. I do, and well, I had two, but I will I will let someone else do that one um, <laughs> <laughs> because it was pretty awesome. So this. Um, uh, this is Brad Panovich, our um, our guest that was our last episode. So, and I kind of, I thought this was intriguing from the other one that I'd found, but there really isn't anyone coming towards this snake. It's just a friendly reminder of the fact that this is a copperhead oh and that not only are people right. running from the floodwater, it's actually, you know, nature, snakes, uh, whatever you can name it are. And the fact that this copperhead is kind of blending in a little bit with his surroundings as well, you wow. may not quite notice it at first. So um, this was by Brad, just letting people know wildlife are also trying to escape all the flooding um, that has been going on. And they've hey, seen crazy flooding. Can so imagine somebody hey, reaching down to like grab the handle and they grab a snake instead. That, like that's the that's the National Weather Service turnaround. Don't get your ass bit by a poisonous snake <laughs> campaign. Very very common. Yes. Don't, yes. And don't they sometimes snakes come up the toilets in floods? Yeah. Only on oh planes. God, do they? Only I've heard that. that. Yes, don't Sweet that. dream so tonight. Why are you telling me this? No 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 no. Oh. Yep. Always That's why look. you always put the lid on the toilet before you go to bed. And always look before you stand. <laughs> That's smart. <laughs> well, uh, Jen, that was pretty good. I think I'll go next here. Uh, so, so like you said, Jen, we had we had the same weather fool this week, but I, I I kind of called dibs on it because I've actually golfed at this golf course. <laughs> I golfed there about three weeks ago. It's it's a Valencia Golf Club in Naples, this is Florida. Awesome. Yeah, and this was this was just as uh, Tropical Storm Eta was moving through, and they were getting a lot of rain. So, like you know, like we were kind of talking about, wildlife has kind of been displaced a little bit. But it's not out of the ordinary. You see a see a gator down there, but look at the size of this thing. See, oh, I gosh. I see this and think that you got to have the music gator. bad to the bone. Holy I just wow. bad to the bone. And for everyone that's listening to this podcast, it is you probably have seen it somewhere on social media. It is literally a gator that's the size of a like the size of a small golf cart. I mean, this thing is massive, <laughs> and I don't you know. do not you do not want to be anywhere near it. I, I, I don't know where they are. Whoever's filming that, but that's too close. I'm sorry. I know. Yeah. And can you imagine and somebody's like, house? There's right houses there. there. You know, yeah. like, like, I would terrible. I would never want to live by water in Florida like that. You don't know what's coming. Yeah, out of they, your well, they, they don't. They definitely don't have problem with kids uh, running around their neighborhood causing trouble. Or small dogs. I have six. I'm six four. I have no doubt that gator could eat me whole. I mean, it's that. It's just to give viewers a perspective. It is that just massive. So, Jeez. all right, kids are bothering us. Send the gator. <laughs> all right greg i understand you have a weather fool this week who is yeah listen I, I i think i'm the last one to hey brady on this uh this segment so uh the, you got one more okay so you got uh, mj last but not MJ. least okay so my my i think i think it's too bad dr forbes isn't here uh because uh you know if you're uh if you're a, a football fan you either love tom brady or you, you hate tom brady 
And uh, Brady had a great experience with the, uh, and I don't know when the second landfall of ETA or ETA or ETA or whatever you guys call it. Uh, but uh, Tom Brady uh, had uh, a little bit of a tragedy. He lost two jet skis and his dock from oh, his new no. home in Tampa Bay when the tropical storm came through. And, and if oh, you get a chance to check out oh. the link in the show notes, uh, he uh, tells the story about watching his jet skis float away. But I think we, we're, we don't feel too bad for him. I think Tom can probably afford to replace not sure the jet Tom skis. Brady. Oh yeah, that's Tom Brady. Yeah, that's Tom. It that's what happens. Yeah, and then go to Tampa. <laughs> oh my gosh, that doesn't even look like him. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, you know. So you... anyway, I th I thought it was kind of funny. You know, yes. he he learned his lesson that uh, if you move to Tampa Bay and there's a tropical storm rolling through, you gotta you gotta tie everything off Bring really really well. Take it out yeah. of the water. Yeah. You know. Wow. Oh, Tom. Whatever, Tom. Well, there, there, yeah, whatever. Yeah, that sucks for Tom. I'm sure he'll get a couple more. You know, I think he's he's mm -hmm. doing pretty well, so I don't think it'll yeah. be a problem. All right. Uh, last but not least, MJ, who is your weather fool this week? Okay. So this was submitted to us by our friend Jay is painting, and it is a called a close call. And uh, the, the point is raging floodwaters, and you're standing on a road. No! No. You're standing on the bridge no. and part of the bridge. Yeah. Wow. Maybe you don't want to be there. When those, uh, Holy when that yeah. rain notice there's a guy on the other side that's side running away, he's running. booking it. I mean, yes, he, he is, is booking it across yep. the, yeah, across <laughs> the, <road. laughs> that's terrible. Play, that, play that one more time here. That is because, freaking scary. Yeah, they just all of a sudden it just right next to their feet, practically. Wow. There it goes. Uh, so. How is he still standing there filming, though? Like, get out I, yeah, they don't move. It. All right, they don't move very far away. He's like, he's I, I to the end. closer. closer. I know. <laughs> yeah, so there's a fool for you. That's wow. A Mm -mm -mm. Well, I'm glad he's okay. I'm glad he's okay. But that was that was pretty insane. So, all right. Well, uh, we're gonna have all of these videos and more if you uh, would check out. Uh, so this is show 118 in your uh, favorite podcast app. Check out the show notes. We'll have the links to all of those videos and much, much more. Phil, I'll kick it over. All right. Well, it's for everybody I, I think it's everybody's favorite part of the show weather troll bot 5000 this is the part of the show where all the storm freaks we we scour the internet for the uh the clips of people trolling our friends our friends in the weather community getting set, really nasty things said about them and and how they react and and here's what we do with weather troll bot is uh, we take that information, we take those those comments that these these viewers and, and fans, quote unquote fans make, and and Phil, you're gonna input that information into Weather Trollbot 5000, and she's gonna spit out what this person was actually saying. That is that's absolutely correct, and and uh, you know we've we've done a couple upgrades. You know we've oh, we've been okay. working on upgrading Weather Trollbot five thousand wow. a little bit, so her voice vocabulary is a lot better than it used to be. Oh, she I mean she she almost sounds like a real person almost. But so we I've got two I've got two to share with you guys tonight, and both of them are, are listeners that have shared with us uh, some trolls. The first one is from listener Jen Walton. 
And of course, uh, she's sharing with us our, I think we're going to call this now the Ginger Z Weather Trollbot 5000. Uh, but but this is uh, uh, Ginger Z, who's the chief meteorologist, ABC News. Good morning, America. Um, and this came from Melissa, was on Twitter. Uh, and her handle is at stonerchick1989. Seems uh, legit. Alrighty. And she says, yes. ouch, I think Ginger Neen, uh, Ginger Z needs to fire her stylus, especially makeup. It's a tad stark and reminiscent of bad 80s punk hooker. Ooh, a wow. beautiful lady, though. More natural would be a better way to go. Oh, wow. So like total rip and then, oh, she's really beautiful. But wow, wow, but Stoner that's, Chick. That's from Stoner Chick, yeah, right. Yeah. So Ginger, so Ginger comes back, you know, and all of our weather friends. I mean, it's it, it it's almost borderline like come on, right? Because they're so professional and so nice, and and like most of us can't even imagine being that nice responding to stuff like this. And Ginger says, Whoo, that was harsh since I do everything myself, trying my best. <laughs> wow, see, that's nice. It also makes you best. feel yeah. a little bad yeah. for it. Too. Yeah. So, oh so God. what we do is we we got to take that information. We got to basically we're we're gonna plug it into Weather Trollbot Five Thousand. <laughs> and and then what she's gonna do is she spits out exactly what our our weather friends were thinking when they responded. So here here's what Weather Trollbot thought Ginger was thinking. Here's what Ginger was really thinking. More natural says Donor Chick 1989. I've seen your profile pic, Melissa, and you could use a little 80s punk rock and hooker style, though it may not do any good. I'm sure there's beauty in there somewhere. Now I hope this gets to Stormfront Freaks podcast so they can use this on their next Troll But 5000 episode. Uh, that's amazing. That's, that's what Trollbot was saying. There we go. That's a lot of words for the vocabulary. Well, I'll, maybe that's why it didn't work. Maybe that's why it didn't. You're right. Yeah. We're, we're gonna give we're gonna give Trollbot one more shot, and she might go in our next garage sale. But here we go. All right, the next one. Uh, this is from another listener. Randy Jennings sent this to us. Uh, Matthew Capucci, who's a meteorologist at the Washington Post and American University Radio, got an email. From Patrick. Uh, Patrick said, and this, this is a lot here, must you sound so infantile every time? What's remarkable is not the warm November weather, but how you got and keep your role. You should work for <laughs> Trump. You're both insufferably irrepressible. Oh my now, I don't even know what that means. I don't even know what I know. that means. I'm like, no. is he, is he Neither. Big words? You got to be a deplorable to understand that. So. <laughs> Probably. All right, so, I get it. I so, totally get Patrick. it. So here's how Matthew responds. Matthew said, Patrick, uh, Patrick emails me reliably every month or two. Oh, uh, today it's because I eagerly announced the upcoming forecast featuring spring-like warmth. With all the other crazy stuff going on, isn't it something that folks can still complain about a weather forecast? Bless his heart. Oh, ah, see, that's ah, that's a really that's pro yes. response. That's pro, it, right? It, and it's it almost enough to go. Are you, I really are you kidding me? But uh, so we're gonna try this again. I'm gonna go ahead and punch this into Weather Trollbot, and we're gonna hope that uh, we can come up with something. Oh, if it isn't my old reliable stain, Patrick, you still haven't realized the world needs you right now like a bullet to the head. 
Take the warm <laughs> November weather is my gift to you. I'm sure you'll keep me subscribed to the Patrick Stupid Comment of the Month Club. You're the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Great. I love the stain. I've never heard of that before. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. All right, so ladies and gentlemen, I think that just about does it for this episode of Stormfront Freaks Podcast. We want to thank everybody for listening or watching. Uh, if you like the show, we always encourage you, please don't forget to subscribe to or follow the show, uh, the show so that you can get notified. So when the minute we release these new episodes, uh, you'll be the first to be notified. Hey, there's a new episode available and uh, it's all free and it's uh, right there in your podcast app the moment uh, we release it. I also encourage you visit patreon.com slash stormfrontfreaks to check out all the ways you can support us and how we can do more with you, like live access to view our raw recordings and chat with us. Uh, might be the monthly virtual happy hours with our freaks. Uh, who's in, by the way? Who's who's in for the virtual happy hour? Oh, I'm in. For, I, in. I, I figured that much. Let me know when. And you can even join us and our guests in the green room of our show recordings. So just visit patreon.com slash stormfrontfreaks to join and a special thank you for supporting our efforts to bring you uh, this content. Definitely special thanks to our guest tonight, Dr. Craig Ford. That was awesome. Uh, this, uh, yeah, this, this, I mean, I, I, this is great. I mean, this was probably one of the better shows we've had. And the fact that we had all of our, co our freaks, our co-hosts on tonight. Uh, made it that much more special. Phil, uh, but, I was fanboying. I'm not gonna not gonna lie. That was I pretty know. awesome. I, you were drooling <laughs> a little bit. No, I, just, I was like not wanting to ask stupid questions. So I was just like, I'm gonna shut up the whole time and just look because it was cool. It was cool just to listen. I mean, it was awesome. It was good. But stuff. Jen was so, like, I know I was your producer, but can I call you Dr. Greg? We're <laughs> <laughs> on a first name basis. That's Stormmaster G to you. That's, That's right. right. So, hey, our next episode, ladies and gentlemen, we're coming back uh, with our fifth year of our holiday weather shopping special just in time for Black Friday. So visiting with us uh, is going to be children's author and meteorologist uh, Serena Marie Arnold. Uh, we're also going to be reviewing and giving away weather gifts from Midland Radio ambient weather allison house sanjian radios team dominator uh and more so it's it's going to be a great show patreon members at the ef5 merch and more level or above they're going to have an exclusive drawing for some of that merchandise as well so uh, be sure to become a patreon member now before the show records so you can join us live and also qualify for some of those other giveaways uh, we are going to be recording a week from a uh, week from tonight, so it's a little bit different. It's earlier than normal. We're normally a biweekly show, um, but for us to be able to release this by Thanksgiving, we got to record a little bit early. So Thursday, November nineteenth, nine p.m. Eastern, uh, and we'll have that audio podcast available uh, by Thanksgiving. So for MJ and Ma the whole arc, right? Noah's Ark is here. MJ, Maz, Brady, Dina, Kim, Greg, Jen, uh, for everybody. I'm going to go ahead and signal the all clear. We'll catch everybody next time. Thank you for listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. Find our bi-weekly show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast app. And watch our live and recorded shows on YouTube. For show notes, additional information about this episode, as well as past and upcoming shows, videos, photos, merchandise, and more, 
visit our website at stormfrontfreaks.com. While you are there, check out our live interactive storm chaser radar provided by our friends at zoomradar.com. If you would like to contact us with questions or make comments about the show, shoot us an email to questions at stormfrontfreaks.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Search Stormfront Freaks. We'd love to hear from you. Join us next time and tell a friend about the Stormfront Freaks podcast.